On Inauguration Sunday, Saturday, January 21st, women took to the streets. Across America, the city streets were full, Seattle streets were full. How many of you were there with the Women's March? Absolutely. Women and their supporters overflowed the city streets and massive numbers of women made statements for justice. A pink hat nation was born, complete with ears. Then on March 27th, a fearless girl took her stand in front of a charging bull. Did anybody see that? A three and a half ton bronze bull had reigned supreme since 1989 when it charged onto a corner in Wall Street under the cloak of darkness. The bronze girl, about 50 inches tall, who had her hands on her hip and chin in the air, stood in front of the bull all of a sudden. She wasn't defiant, but she was proud and strong, not belligerent, but standing tall right there on Wall Street. Anybody see that? It's pretty amazing. She's still there, and Mayor Bill de Blasio has now given the fearless girl a year to stand right there in front of the bull and I hear that people are asking for her to be there always. Now this year is a year of many things, including women taking a stand. This is nothing new, but the numbers might be, and pink hats certainly are new. Women have been working for justice for a very long time, and it is a long march, and yes, women have persisted. Persistent women have been around for millennia. Occasionally they show up in history text or even sacred text, but most often, not so much. They're in the background, if mentioned at all, because history is written by others. And what seems like a long time ago to us, there are women in our own Unitarian and Universalist histories who have sh helped shape who we are today. We owe much of our gratitude, much gratitude to our civic and theological grandmothers for their courage, bravery, and bold action. They were the fearless girls of their day, and we follow in their steps. One of our Unitarian foremothers, Jane Addams, was born in 1830. She is known as a mother of social work. How many of you work in social work? Isn't it awesome to have a mother of social work who kind of made it all happen? She was a pioneer in her field. She was an activist and a public philosopher. She co-founded Hull House in Chicago, a settlement house for disadvantaged children. Adams also became a role model for middle-class women to volunteer to help clean up their communities. Knowing that women had long served in education and health, Adams became a suffragette for women's right to vote, claiming that women knew some areas of government better than men, and by golly, they should be able to vote. One of our Universalist foremothers, Olympia Brown, was born, not much later, in 1835. 
She was the first woman to graduate from seminary and the first to become a full-time ordained minister. Can you imagine that? I've worked a lot in fields where there are mostly men, but I cannot imagine going to seminary and being fully ordained full-time when only men were serving. Of course, when she grew a church big enough, Boston would send out a real minister to take over. <laughs> but even so, universalism had women ministers in the mid-1800s. I think about denominations struggling with that yet today. Now, Brown's ministry reached beyond the church walls. In addition to preaching, Brown was a first-generation suffragette fighting for the right for women to vote. She persisted in the battle and was still marching for justice at age 85 when women finally won the right to vote. Can you imagine fighting until you're 85 just to vote? Now, I think it's more than ironic that in the year 2020, women will celebrate 100 years of the right to vote under the reign of Trump, while a woman actually won the popular vote. There's much work yet to do. We will persist. Now, history books are filled with leaders, men, and a small binder full of women. Leaders who have risen to the call of their day and given voice to justice, to reason, and to compassion. They are often seen as solo hero heroes, acting against all odds and by pulling up their own bootstraps. School history books tell a narrow tale through a narrow lens. Moral leaders and heroes who do not fit stereotypical images are frequently treated as token idols to represent diversity, if they are uplifted at all. And I tell you, moral heroes and leaders come in all genders, moral heroes come in all skin colors, and moral heroes come in all ages, ability, and status. And often, moral heroes are birthed in the most challenging of times. I believe we are, we are in one of those times now. We need moral individuals. We need people who lead with integrity and fearless compassion to call us forward to a new day, to bring our best selves forward and our best collective impulses to help build a better future for our children. History will determine their hero status. But I wonder, what makes a person a moral leader or a moral hero. It is not the headlines that even, or even a number of likes on Facebook. It is not fame or popularity. It is not showboating or ego-boosting promotion. Moral leaders are not one-timers. Moral leaders are not, are not the ones catapulted to fame with buzzer-beating three-pointers or a Hail Mary pass into the end zone. Moral leaders live a life of choosing and doing the right things. 
A moral leader is a person who persists. A moral leader takes risk in standing up for what is good and right and just. A moral leader is one whose single acts may not be of hero status, but is part of an arc of justice that lifts up and liberates the oppressed. A moral leader tears down injustice, not people. A moral leader puts others at the center. A moral leader leads with vision. A moral leader leads with love. And a moral leader persists. And sometimes, moral leaders wear pink hats. Let me tell you another story that unfolded just before the era of pink hats. It's a tale of yet another courageous woman. If you open your gray hymn book, there's a song that almost didn't make it. This despite it being already sung in almost every congregation across the nation. It took weeks and weeks, I suspect months and months, of difficult negotiations to get permission to include this particular song. And the hymn book committee knew that if they were not successful, the hymn book would be seen as a failure. It made it. Whew. The song, number 123, Spirit of Life. While Unitarian Universalists most often sing it as a hymn, as we do here, you won't find it included in the worship section of the hymnal. Instead, it can be found under love and compassion. That is because the author considers this song a living prayer, not a static statement. Carolyn McDade, the author of Spirit of Life and several other songs in our hymnal and the co-creator of Water Communion, grew up in Louisiana when the news headlines were showing graphic images of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. She was appalled that children were allowed to see such raw horror. McDade says, no God I had learned about would ever want to allow such behavior, such suffering, such brutality. The events of World War II shaped her lifelong work as a feminist and a peace and justice activist. Persistence in McDade's life looks like this, a chain of linked politically progressive causes a UU World article from the fall of 2007 states that McDade has opposed wars, South African apartheid, U.S. foreign policy, and nuclear power. She has worked for economic justice, environmental protection, and the rights for women, for women migrant workers, prisoners, refugees, and gay people. McDade considers herself boringly consistent. I consider her a moral and spiritual leader. Now, McDade has a deep spiritual grounding that undergirds her work. In the time of the Freedom Riders, McDade saw churches being silent. She took her faith that was formed in childhood and became an activist. Her activism and her music come from deeply rooted 
deeply rooted spiritual center. While many of us sing Spirit of Life as a beautiful hymn, it was conceived at a point of desperation. In the early 1980s, McDade left an activist meeting on pressing human rights issue and found herself dry as cardboard. Anybody have that feeling you're just totally worn out? She was dry as cardboard. She was exhausted, not with her community, but with the world, and I think we can empathize with her on that. When she returned home that night, McDade walked through the dark house and found her piano. Her prayer was, may I not drop out? Fortunately, she persisted, and Spirit of Life was born. McDade's full life story is very human, complete with trials and tribulations, but her entire life has been grounded in a deep sense of spiritual awareness from which her activism and music were birthed. Spirit of Life was composed as a living prayer. McDade's life is, as is ours, a living prayer as well. Spirit of life, come unto me. Spirit of life, come unto me. Jane Adams, Olympia Brown, and Carolyn McDade were fearless moral leaders. That doesn't mean they weren't afraid at times or even discouraged but they found ways to persist, grounded in spirit, faith, and values. They each did what they saw was the right thing to do at that moment. None of them worked for justice to win a popularity contest. The opposite usually happens. None of them did it for fame. Recognition, if it comes at all, comes years after doing the work. None of them did it to better their own lives. They sacrificed for the good of others and for the whole. On this day, when we honor mothers, let us include these moral giants who gave so much. They worked so that others could have better lives, and they considered their work a living prayer. These women persisted. In these days of constitutional and moral crisis, may we all be rooted in our own spiritual grounding, and may we all persist. Our stories must be told, our values must be visible, our lives must be considered. If it takes standing up, to make our lives living prayers instead of historical artifacts, then so be it. If it takes standing fiercely in front of a bull on Wall Street, then so be it. And if it takes a pink hat to be seen, then so be it. Get the ears right here. We will be heard, we will march, and we will persist. Blessed be 
Amen, and happy Mother's Day.